The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Hey, thanks for joining us. And just a little housekeeping item here. We have some trouble on the audio on this track. And sorry for that. We felt like the subject was important enough that we go ahead and publish. But we do apologize in advance for any inconvenience that you have in hearing it. We've done our best to clean up the tracks. There was just some difficulty in the recording itself. Sorry about that. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Thanks for jumping in with us. We are continuing on our subject of Christian masculinity in leadership. And we're joined by Tony Hedrick of ACCI and Oklahoma fame and quite an artist and a lot of stuff there. Thanks for being here, Tony. All right. We were in the middle of our conversation. If, if for some reason you joined this podcast and you didn't hear the first one, I encourage you to pause here and go back. These should be self-contained, but I think you'll get a lot out of the first session on uh, Christian masculinity and leadership. So check it out. Now, in our previous conversation, Tony, there was you brought up something about Muslim masculinity and how it's got an appeal to people, maybe particularly in Western Europe or England or that. That was a very interesting comment to me. And I think what you're what you're saying there is that there's a framework, some published pillars, and this is the way Muslim masculinity works. And that, that, I guess, to the rational mind is appealing. How do you see that? And how does that highlight the fact that we're running maybe short when it comes to having a clear concept and, and communication of Christian masculinity and leadership? From my perspective, I, I grew up in a, uh, an era and time where we had kind of attitude. And you'll remember it. This is my house. The Bible says this is my house. I'm the head of this house, and you'll do what I say. Right. That was the idea of masculinity, that Christian men were the head of their household, and and women are to be subservient, and they're to be under the thumb of the man, and we've thrown that away. Right. We understand that's not the way that looks. In fact, years ago, whether you agree or not, or whether people out there agree or not, I'm just going to tell you that down in Kentucky at Wilmore, I think their name was Simmons, they... There were a father and son who were theologians that they took that and unpacked that whole idea about what it means to be the head of your house. For instance, they mm-hmm. said, God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The head man is the head of the woman. Right. What they did was they said, well, the word head in that era back then, if we want to do the hermeneutic back then, they didn't have the idea of 
head like a CEO. That wasn't the idea. The idea was like a headwater or a fountainhead. Okay. That yeah. they were the source of, not not the domination idea, right. but the source of. So it was God was the source of Christ. Christ was the source of the man, and the man was the source of the woman. He was to come underneath. And when we look at Jesus, you know, Jesus took all the heat. Jesus was at the bottom. It was this leadership from the below, but not shirking leadership, not not Gentile leadership. But this is what the guys didn't understand that followed him. They thought, oh, yeah, we're going to be leaders here. It's okay, Jesus. You know, if you want to, you can sit on the main throne, but we want to be on each side, you know, if possible. You know, we can take a little chair. We don't have to have a big one. But Jesus just said, that's not what this looks like, boys. This is this is leadership. But it's bottom up. It's not top down. The church, though, has become, I think, weak in this area where men have now just completely abdicated their responsibility to lead in a servanthood way, to be strong Mm. males under authority and leading from that position of authority. But it's kind of a, a reactionary thing to the 1950s and 60s where there was this male dominated machismo leadership. Right. And we've ended up, I think, in the churches here in America, we've ended up with the CEO style leadership where you have these strong, charismatic figures, almost like little popes. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to get in trouble, but it's really true. Yeah. Where everybody just hangs on the every word of these leaders, these very strong, charismatic megachurch leaders who talk down to every, and they just kind of hang on. But nobody knows how to do anything anymore. They're not able ministers of the new covenant. They don't understand how to do ministry. They just become uh, observers rather than participants. So I think what what appeals there in Europe, uh, what has started to appeal, especially in England, to British youth, especially if they're disenfranchised, don't have good, strong father figures, the same is true in the American prisons, is this idea of this this dominational, this kind of domination of uh, Islam, the kind of the male idea of Islamic leadership. So that has an appeal. Mm-hmm. But I don't think young men today in our churches see real strong father figures who are strong, not overbearing, but strong in terms of serving. And they don't they don't get the idea that this is a life of adventure. This is a life of risk. This is a life of challenge and excitement. And so that's not happening. People become passive observers, men have. The European model, by the way, to some degree, is better than the American model of evangelicalism. Okay. In America, what I sensed is that largely we have moved in America from the heart to the head. Our evangelism in America is heart to head. It's very uh, emotional. Whereas in Europe, evangelicalism is head to heart. It's more intellectual. Leaders there are more inclined to be intellectual leaders rather than emotional leaders. Whereas here, it's been largely driven by the evangelical movements of the nineteen of the eighteen thirties all the way through the revivalist movements, where mm-hmm. a lot of us passionate appeals largely to a, an effeminate mind, this emotional thing. And I don't want to get in trouble with women because obviously, women there's a lot of women who are thoughtful for goodness sakes, but it just has become. A uh, thing where we see Christianity lived out either one or two ways, either insipid weakness or overbearing uh, masculinity. Right. 
Yeah. I do think that, as you say, we're lacking examples and we're dealing with a culture of reaction when it comes to the fact that we needed, we need quality examples of what Christ-like masculinity looks like. And we're, we're struggling. We went from an overbearing, egocentric, potentially messed up view of leadership we went from that in terms of the overbearing side. We swung across <laughs> to the maybe the milk toast variety. I don't know what you'd call that, but it's definitely something. You know, we're observing a softening of masculinity in the U.S. I've known some folks from around the world, as you have too, and I, I think we we're seeing this in the developed world. We're seeing more and more of a softening of all people, including men. And what that does for men is an interesting kind of chemistry. I remember as a young man, it wasn't that way. And, you know, you're, you're in my father's generation. So in your generation, it was, there was some clout that you got in the family and in the community for being tough. Well, yeah, it's not only that, though. My dad had one arm. I think you know that, Scott. My dad's right arm was off at the shoulder, and uh, my dad couldn't do a lot of things that men could do. He couldn't fish with me the way another man could, or he couldn't throw a ball and catch it. That didn't mean he was effeminate at all, but they're just things he was handicapped to do. He couldn't, without my help, he couldn't drive a screw or nail. I mean, there's lots of things he could do. He could tie his own tie and tie his own shoes. And But what my dad taught me was the things that really – are very important, like integrity. He taught me character. He taught me keep my word. He taught me to tithe. <laughs> yeah. My dad, every Saturday night, would write a tithe check, and with that one hand, fold that check in half and put it in the offering plate the next day, even if we didn't have very much. He taught me, he taught me to stand up for what was right and to not allow people to bully other people. There were just so many good qualities that this man had that I'm thankful for that it wasn't just – Nature, it was nurture. I mean, I, I didn't get this through my DNA. I got this, these qualities, these things through my dad's, through nurture, through watching it modeled. Yeah. And our right. kids exactly. sit around and our, our wives don't want, they want male leadership in the church. Women want male leadership in the church. Our wives want male leadership. Our sons and our daughters, they want good fathers who are willing to stand up and be counted for the things that matter, people of principle. And that's what we need to be modeling. Mm. But I think what happens is, is the church has become very much more in tune to singing songs and, and swaying to music and holding hands. And, and that's all good stuff. I mean, I love the worship services and all that. But I think what men want and what boys aspire to is they like risk. They like people who go out and try things and, and we end up not trying things very much. We end up just sitting in our pews and going home after church and life goes on. But yeah. the word for adventure, the definition of adventure is risk with a purpose. Risk with a purpose. Risk with a purpose. And I'm just thinking that young people see us go to church and do all the churchy things, but we don't see our fathers risking for the gospel, taking chances. <laughs> mm. And I think that's what's missing. Wow. Are these men who want to try to extend the kingdom through trying things, taking on things that are bigger than they are? And I think men want that. Yeah. 
I think men, I think men prefer bungee jumping over singing choruses. Uh, <laughs> and that's just my guess on it. Yeah. This is why, Scott, I think missions are so important because this is a way for our men to bring their boys. I'm serious. My son-in-law has brought his boys to Guatemala five years in a row. They'd rather live in Guatemala than in America. <laughs> <laughs> but they knew what it was to take a canoe and go in and feed hungry people because their dad modeled that for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when men are out there taking their kids out on the forefront, to borrow a good name for a broadcast, if you run out of names of broadcast, uh, Scott, you might try Forefront. <laughs> forefront okay. would be a good one. But, I mean, that's a name you've got for your, your program, for Forefront. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what we need to do is model model what it means to be, to be a Christian male, to model that. Yeah. There's a book out there that maybe I can recommend called um, uh, Leaders Eat Last. Sure. It's a secular book, Leaders Eat Last. And it, it was all taken by a guy who saw this, this colonel come in to the mess hall, and he could eat with all of the officers, but he stood there, stood at attention while his men went through the mess line to get their food before he ever ate. And he noticed this, and he said every corporation, every organization that's really doing great things are led by people who are willing to be last, wow. who are willing to, to put themselves at the bottom to help others get to the top. My word. And I just think that's what Christian masculinity is about. That guy was seeing something, even though it was, uh, I think that's Simon Sinek, isn't it? I think it is Sinek. I'm not sure, but it sounds like it. Yeah. Leaders Eat Last and Simon Sinek. He, all, he did a few other books as well, but I'm, I'm familiar with that one a little. I haven't read it. I know you recommended it you know, too long ago, but I'll, I'll try to catch that. I really resonate with what you're saying. The risk piece, the, the challenge you know, as a young boy, I I used to do things, and I think back. You know, I used to do some things like, okay, let me, can I can I take it? You know, let me see if I can take this. You know, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't guaranteed. I was going to try something challenging, and you know, with the idea that I might be embarrassed or you know I might not be able to take it. Those are things that I I would love to be able to give an example for, and I try to give an example for that kind of thing in my life. And I think we we could benefit from. Men accepting the challenge to demonstrate some risk for the gospel. So exactly what you're saying. We're we're actually out of time again here, Tony. But we're gonna we're gonna spin it around and get one third session on this. Uh, appreciate you joining us. For folks who are trying to get in touch with you or know more about what you guys are doing, they can go to adventive.ca. That's ACCI's home on the internet. Adventive.ca, not .com, because. You guys got roots in Canada, so look forward to Yeah, and, and if they're mad at me about what I just said, please don't leave your comments there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that on the podcast. Please do give us any feedback you have either way. But no, I think that's very, very good and very, in, in a way, challenging. But I think we need to rise to the challenge. Thank you for being here with us, uh, Tony, and, and for uh, for inspiring us to take some steps of bravery there. As for me, I am Scott McClellan, and this is your FX Missions Leadership Moment. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at uh, fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott.com 
at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.